0: You wow.
1: It's a special Tales from Swanson and Rittner. And we have somebody on the line, a bricklayer for the company. Tonight we got the pit bull, Gary Wolf. What's up, Gary?
2: What's up, everybody out there? I am the original, original concrete laying, head breaking ECW original. Made that building. It was a bingo hall and we turned it into
1: a violent, violent stadium. I'm right. Mike, what's up uh, tonight, Mike? Hey, how are you? Kenny,
0: what's up, Mike?
1: Oh, way better now that we got Gary on the phone. This is a privilege, man
0: absolutely uh, i uh, i've been doing a lot of different podcasts and uh, i was privileged to get with jeremy because we both are such diehard ecw fans and went to numerous shows over the years and it's like our, our passion project because we both do other podcasts and this one is like our we've been reviewing all the old shows like one by one and you know get some guests on here now it's pretty awesome so uh it's great to have gary on here and whatnot gary how did you first get involved with ecw
2: Well, I'll be honest with you. I was in Tri-State Wrestling Alliance. And that was about 1988, 87, 88, sorry, 88. uh, Which then turned into owned by Todd Gordon and Joel Goodhart. That was Eastern Championship Wrestling. We turned that, TWA, into Eastern Championship Wrestling. Then, later on, I ended up going to Japan, working in North Carolina, so I was gone for a while. When I came back from Japan, uh, I, had, I had a knee injury, so I had to get surgery, so I had a couple months layoff. When I healed up, I didn't have a tour yet set for Japan, and we were in New Japan before anybody. Uh what happened was I just picked up the phone, called my man Sam and Ty Gordon and said, "You know, look, you know, I healed up. I'm sitting here. My partners in Germany working over there. Uh, you know, I, I need to get. I want to get back to work. I'm, I'm ready to go." And I only saw the day before I made the call. I saw the ECW show on TV. And I was. I couldn't believe we had there had TV on it. I mean, I'm gone for a while. And then uh, they brought me right in. And I, three months later, brother, I had the television title.
0: Could could you go off a speaker? You're actually cutting out a little bit. Could we try it without the speaker?
2: Yeah. cause that's
0: Much better. Thank you. Yeah, it was starting to cut out a little bit. I don't want to lose any of this. So, awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, um, you definitely did a couple you know different tours of new Japan uh you know before even going to e c w uh you know what were your big memories of new japan
2: uh new Japan was great uh <laughs> back then it was totally different than it is now uh it was very strict i mean you know the the Americans they had their bus the japs had their bus uh, it's more american style now than it was. Uh, but it's still, but it was a lot more stiffer back then. It's still stiff. I mean, it's strong style, regardless.
0: Sure.
2: But it was just more. They wanted more. They just wanted to beat the shit out of each other. That's what it comes down to. Be yeah. But uh, my greatest moments in Japan was wrestling uh, Justin Thunderlager uh, for 45 minutes many nights uh, mm-hmm. in singles, uh, tag matches. We had great matches with Luda. Mm-hmm. And uh, Master Chono and Master Saito. So I learned from them guys and of course we wrestled for the tag team championships against Hospe and Kasaki at the dome, which we thought
0: was awesome. For sure. And you teamed with uh Big Van Vader and Bam Bam Bigelow too, that must have been amazing.
2: I was they were with us, yeah. They were the they were the two when they put them together as a tag team brother, it was scary. For sure. <laughs> Because they didn't like each other as it was, you know what I'm saying? So putting them together as a tag team made it even
1: crazier. Awesome. Yeah, Gary, when you came into ECW, ECW, because I've heard so many stories about, you know, Eddie... Gilbert uh, had the book and then, you know, it was kind of taken from him and, you know, as a fan, I never really knew the whole story, just little bits and pieces from what I heard but when you entered ECW who did you size up as sort of running the show? I mean, who was the boss at the time? When I got, when I got there, Eddie just left. Okay.
2: And I was, I'm, I'm very tight with his brother. Uh, okay. Yeah, when so he left, and that's when Paul Heyman was there.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So he pretty much was only there maybe a few months, I'm thinking, before I got there. And Todd Gordon was also still there.
1: Did you at that? I mean, at those in those early days. I mean, I don't know. You've probably been asked this a million times, but did you have a sense that? The, the direction we're going here, I mean, Paul might be on to something or, you know, this this might be going in the right direction. I mean, did you feel that at all or was Oh, was it I felt another it another place of work? I felt it way before I went
2: back to ECW. When I was yeah. in it, in the original one, it was called the Tri-State Wrestling Alliance before it turned to Eastern. Uh, yeah. I mean, come on. We had uh, Rick Flair. We had... Uh, You know, Abdul the Butcher. I mean, we had Playboy Buddy Rhodes. I mean, they were bringing big names in. Kevin Sullivan, Ricky Steamboat, uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka, Tom Morocco. I mean, these are the guys that, the Hawk from the Road Warriors, you know, the Steiner. These guys, they were bringing in. So I had a feeling, because we were packing some houses, and I was very surprised. I mean, it was crazy. And I had a feeling. I said to myself one night, because I remember Abby and... Flair were getting ready to hit the ring and I was supposed to go out and do some during their match. Me and my partner, we were still very green back then. And I remember Abby and Flair said, Yo, 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 come here. Do you guys, you know? And we told him, he's like, All right, I heard about you, you know. Bob Orton told me about you guys. Man, you're Larry Sharp, okay, you're good guys. You were in North Carolina, you know? Hold my jewelry. Don't go in the ring. I said, Well, the booker Joel, you know, Joel Goodhart told me to go to Gray. He's like, no, 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 no. You know, because he was going to blade everybody that ran into that ring. Mm. At that point, Abby was going to—he had five blades. One have like, every finger had a blade, and every person that ran in, did a run in, was going to get like gashed. Like, a, mm. I mean, it was going to be brutal. And they said they—all they did was hand me and my partner about five hundred thousand dollars worth of jewelry and said, "You watch this shit." And that's what
1: happened. Wow. <laughs> wow, was that the, uh, Abby, Abby probably called you Champ a lot of times, huh? What's up, Champ? Oh,
2: that's, yes, and we <laughs> ended up, at Johnny Grunge and Public Enemy, I mean, that they ended up changing that from Abby because everybody in ECW that had a belt, we didn't call them their names, they're like, what's up, Champ? What's up,
1: Champ? <laughs> that's how we did it. Awesome. Mike, what do you got? You probably got something moving on top of your head there.
0: <laughs> uh, for sure. For sure. I always do. Um, you, you worked with so many uh, amazing talents in ECW. Um, was anyone hard to work with? Hard.
2: Huh. I really can't say I mean... As far as stiff-wise, let me tell you, Robbie, Rob was stiff as hell. He could work his ass off. So you knew the nights you had to work against him, you had to work work. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, as far as, I don't know, I'll, I'll say eating rotten. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just a rib. He's actually easy.
0: Right. How was uh, working with Taz? You worked with him, obviously, as a Taz maniac as Taz.
2: Yeah, I had a I had a singles angle with him when I was there by myself. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's when I got the uh, television title. We were set that t- you know, set that angle up I was gonna drop the strap to make the ripwreck and Taz was gonna cause it. And that set our angle, me and Taz. Uh he was pretty cool. I mean Taz is a cool dude. I'm not gonna lie. Pete's alright. Uh unless you call him Pete. <laughs> but <laughs> But Taz is cool. Uh, He's very serious. Uh, He was still kind of green back then, too. I mean, we all were, you know. We just had a little bit more experience because we were going to Japan and we were working in North Carolina six days a week, you know. So, and, you know, that's where NWA was based out of. And, you know, we got to hang out with that guy, with those guys a lot, like a lot. And, you know, I knew what I had to do and I knew the angle we had to do and, had no problem with it and honestly I didn't I didn't know that you know he was a Tasmaniac devil then. I mean he he had that gimmick it wasn't Taz yet. So, you know, I don't know what they wanted planned but I mean I ended up whooping his ass once he framed Regs in the middle. Mm. And then uh, once he turned into Taz when when we were getting ready to the W C W that's when we did an angle with him and my partner in the pay per view, which
0: destroyed us in like minutes. Yeah. Right. Now, you you had a long feud with Raven and Stevie Richards, too. Um, My question with Raven, you know, I've always heard that he's a genius behind the scenes and whatnot. Is is he really has that amazing mind for wrestling, and how was the locking up with him and planning out with him?
2: It was great. I mean, I was with uh, Scotty every day. I mean, he lived in Philly. He lived in South Philly. So, we'd get up every morning be in the gym by twelve, believe it or not, Raven worked out. <laughs> we'd be in the gym every morning at twelve and then we'll south street in the afternoon and lunch. And what Raven would do is and we'd go out every night unless the lights he worked, you know what I mean you know, if we got out they you know got back late. But he would always write down uh, on cocktail napkins. Like napkins. Like any he had an idea in his head, he would write something down and he'd write it down. You know, that's how that was his genius, because he would bring it to Paul and say, look, this is what I want to do, and Paul loved it, you know? Right. You know, that's how, the, I mean, where do you think the New World Order came from?
0: For sure, for sure. So he's probably one of the better minds in the business.
2: Then listen, I'm going to tell you another part. I don't know many people don't know it. I mean, he, him, more than anybody, came up with the Dudley's. Right. You know, we mm-hmm. were thinking about what do we, we need another tag team? What are we going to call them? What are we going to do? And it just so happened one night we watched Slapshot and we were just like, "There you go!" You know, we'll put some glasses on them, instead of you know, and put, you know, they were foiling their knuckles, and we figured that's that's we're going to run off of that, and that's how you know that came about. Okay, and it's history ever since.
0: <laughs> For sure.
1: Jeremy, Gary, you mentioned Ian before, and I just it made me think of something that I heard him say, a statement he made, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it. He, I was watching a shoot interview, I think, of his, and he was talking about his days in ECW, and he said, "Well, nothing will ever beat the cruise that Paul had in '94, '95." You know, and he was saying that to the so later days, the so-called explosion of ECW, those crews don't even come close to how how hard-working the crews were back in the earlier days. What do you think of that? I mean, what's your reaction to a statement like that?
2: We, the early day guys, we had to do, we had to step it up before anybody else had to step it up. We were going tables and going through chairs and, you know, slamming on concrete, you know, doing whatever we got to do to get the people to love it. We wanted the people to come into that ring with us. I mean we wanted to mm. you know they we want them to be a part of the match. you know what I'm saying, and what he means by that is, yeah, we set the ground the road we laid you know we laid the pavement, but then you got other tag teams that were coming up, you know you know, but we would bring tag teams like Gordy and Dr. Death in. The Bruce brothers which were there for a while, uh John and Johnny Valiant, you know, the heavenly bodies what they would bring in, you know, and put them against us sometimes. Like any tag team that ever came in ECW, when I well once we were a tag team, they had to go through the pit bulls every night. I don't care hmm. like the Eliminators, the first time they came to the arena, the first night, they had to wrestle us. You know, it just goes down the line. Every tag team, that's how it was. But as far as what Ian is saying is, I mean, you got to remember, Ian and Axel were bleeding like pigs and, you know, they were doing really hardcore shit. You know, what I mean, before there was hardcore shit, you know what I mean? So it was kind of like, you know, that's how we kind of started to get that ECW reputation of being, that's where Paul came up with the extreme. You know, we're not Eastern no more. We're fucking extreme now. You know, we raised it another level. Because if you watch the one night stand, okay, that will prove it to you. By looking at the WWE guys up in the stands watching us, their jaws are on the ground because they're in their minds. They're saying to themselves, "There ain't no way I can do this six nights a week."
1: Yeah.
2: Okay, and they're on. You know, there's no way. I mean, it's we we, we went over and beyond. You know, you're going to pay a ticket, you're going to get your money's worth. When you walk yeah. out of that building, the 40 hours that you put in that week, mm-hmm. you left in that building, all that frustration. You know, mm-hmm. you cursed us out. You, you know, we we tried to make you happy. That's, a, that's that's the main thing. And we just, like I said, we put it to the other level, like Ian and X were doing by like doing extreme, you know, like really – you know, brought the blood, dude. We, after they started bringing the blood, everybody had to bring the blood. I mean, the yep. crowd would, would chant, we want blood. You know, we want tables
1: before the Dudleys. You know what I mean? We want, you know, we they, that's what they wanted. What was your thoughts on that? I mean, the, you know, the crowd, the ECW fans are famous. You know, they certainly are. I mean, they were so interactive. But was there ever any tension or just talk amongst you guys in the back like here are the fucking fans calling the spots again because I know that I've heard some people say Perry Saturn being one I heard at a shoot a interview that I, that I attended, he kinda said, Hey, when they start with the boring and shit, I'll slap a chin lock on and I'll hold it there. You know, so was there another resentment? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're not gonna you're not
2: gonna dictate what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm gonna dictate it to you. So you could sit there and say, you know, whatever you want to say, I, I'll snap Mary, just like Perry said, and put you in a chin lock and just look at everybody I said, I keep talking, keep talking, Because I'm not going to do shit. I'm going to sit here and you're still going to be, you already paid for the ticket. You know what I mean? I am i wasn't like a face or a heel. I was like in the middle, I was myself. I'm giving you my attitude, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you came to watch me, and you know, you're going to dictate me. You know, screw you. You know, that's how I look at it. But the fans, the ECW fans from the arena and pretty much all over, they're a special fan. I mean, WWF never had chance until we started with the chance. You know, because we brought the people in,
0: you know? Yeah, 2019, you're still here, ECW chance.
2: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It, 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 that's crazy. So we have to ma We have to matter somehow. I mean, if they're still chanting ECW, hmm. and there hasn't been a fucking ECW show on TV, and I couldn't tell you how long. I mean, if, if Vince was smart, he's got NXT. He's got SmackDown. He's got WWE. Uh, Wall. He's got Wall. Okay, okay, so he's got those three shows. If he brought back ECW, made it hardcore. Put it on a later night, later times, you know, a different channel. I'm sure he will have he he would have a million people watch it easily. Mm. You know, if he brought different people in, not the guys he has now,
0: but the other guys. He did that once and it was horrible. So hopefully doesn't hopefully doesn't <laughs> well, do it again. Yeah, but he brought he brought the wrong guys. Oh, I agree. I agree. I
2: mean come on, he was taking guys off of WWE and putting them in ECW. I'm saying yep. bring in brand new fresh faces. Yep. You know, guys that are known right now, you know, as hardcore, you know, guys. For sure. That's I mean that's my that's in my opinion. I would think they would do half big decent. I mean, I'm sure on Access T V on Friday nights, New Japan's ratings are pretty good.
0: Absolutely. You know, and let yeah. Heyman run it.
2: Exactly. You got the mad scientist already there.
0: Yeah, just take off the restraints and just leave it alone. Let him run it.
2: Yeah. Well, honestly, you have to go from rated PG to rated R, and that could be easily done.
0: For sure. For sure. And he'll
2: get an old. He'll get an older male female crowd instead of you know where his. Right now, he's you know, children, kids are like his biggest thing.
0: For sure. Now, you, uh, you and your partner are involved in one of the biggest angles in ECW, um, in, in my opinion, of you know, the Shane Douglas, you know, grabs your neck collar, of the halo, um, you know, it leads into the first pay per view. How how did that angle come about? Whose idea was it? How was it orchestrated?
2: That was a Stone Cold Sheep, brother, and I'm not lying. And people know me, they know it is. I literally did a run in. I had to get, what happened was I, you were at a show at the arena. I just got back and I popped my bicep. Okay. I wanted to get a fixed. I'm not, some guys don't get their biceps fixed when they pop. I said, fuck that. I got, I'm going to get a cut. I'm six weeks out. Ain't no big deal. I think Ant has no problem wrestling singles, you know, while I'm out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so what happened was I had to do a run-in on Anthony's match with Shane. When I came in the ring, I took a wrong a bump. He was giving me – he wasn't giving me – he was He was giving me a, some kind of, like, a neck breaker or something, but I took it as a DDT. Mm-hmm. So the top of my head hit the belt and I heard the crack, and I was pretty much out, because when I rolled over, I always seemed white, and what I did was I wiggled my fingers and toes, because that's what you're taught to do, you know, right away, and I was okay, and I rolled out of the ring very gingerly and walked in the back, and no lie, I mean, I was just like, damn, man, my fucking neck. What the hell did I do to it? Like, uh, I mean, instead so the Samoans were back there, the wild Samoans. You know, and Sammy was like, Samu said, because I'm a little tight with them, uh, well, I said, maybe you jammed it, Gary. Yeah? Maybe you just jammed it. You know, And he was like moving my head around, but being very, very careful at God because come – that was a Saturday night. Come Monday, when I woke up, I pretty much couldn't move at all my neck. So – without, like, really hurting. So because I stopped taking my pain meds Sunday night. But I said, something ain't right. And I went to my chiropractor, which I've seen for 30 years. He knows me so well, and actually Raven introduced me to him. Uh, he said, something's not, something's not right. And he goes, here's a – I want you to go get a CAT scan right now. It's a something ain't right. He just looked at me and knew something was wrong. I went to Jefferson Hospital, and they told me my neck was broken. I broke C1 right in half. But thanks God that my traps and I had so much mass on me, the disc didn't move. If it would have moved, I would have been dead, either yeah. dead or paralyzed from the neck down. And actually, the doctors, were they, they couldn't figure out how, like, how would you get here? So I fucking drove here. And they didn't believe me until I showed them my Valley ticket, you know, and they're like, well, you know, I said, I got to get up and take a picture. like, you're not going fucking nowhere. And I go, what do you mean? They go, you bro- you're next broke. And I'm like, I don't understand. That. I said, so I told them, I said, if you're next broke, aren't you dead? And they go, Major- uh, 99.9% of the time, yeah, but something's yeah. not right here. So... They put me in a hospital room, and I woke up. I didn't even go to sleep that night. I was in so much pain, but I woke up, and I was the next day, I remember 10 doctors coming in my room and just looking at me, trying to figure out how am I not fucking shitting and pissing my pants and how am I even breathing if I broke that disc? And the only thing they came up with is my muscles saved my life, man. So, you know, they're like – We don't have to do surgery because it didn't move. It just broke in half like a donut. Just cut it right in half, and that's exactly what it did. And they wanted to put a halo on me, and you know, I'm like, well, what if I don't get a halo? Why don't you just put a brace around my neck, and I'll wear the collar for a couple days? He's like, no, you don't understand. Your neck's broke. If you leave this hospital and sneeze, you could die. You could get paralyzed. If you fall down, you could get paralyzed. So, I mean, I didn't want to do the halo. Because like, You always see people with halos on you. You're like, oh, my God, like, that's got to be crazy, you know. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't want to do it. But uh, they wheeled this 14-year-old kid by me. and I, did, I know they did it on purpose. He got in a bad car accident that day, and they had a halo on him. So I said, you know what, if you can do it, I'll do it. And that's how they got me to do it. And you're wide awake when they put that on you. So you want to talk about some soul shit? That's crazy. Damn. So Damn. it was a shoot. yeah, it was a stone cold shoot, man. I broke my fucking neck, and I was pissed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, on camera or just from the fan perspective, from my perspective, I mean. That heat was fucking real, man. And, you know, I and it makes sense that, I mean, it was real. It, this was so-called real, like you said. But was there was there tension, Gary, with you and Shane at that point? Because, I mean, oh, it sure yeah. seemed like it.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, at, at first, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. They didn't want to do the angle at all. I yeah. came up with the fucking angle. I said, look, he broke my fucking neck. Had him cut promos. I said the doctor told me I'd, I only need six months and I'm back. Six months and I'm back. And so I took eight months. So, you know, they were like I'm a Kai Gordon's like, no fucking way. We're not doing that. No way, no how. We told fucking Paul, he's like, No way, no how. Even even Shane felt uncomfortable doing it. Do you see what I'm saying? Because he was getting yeah. death threats. People were calling his house in Pittsburgh threatening his life okay that's I and mean, he called me up telling me this one night okay he's like yeah i got kids you know i got people calling my house they're telling me they're coming over to shoot me they're they're gangsters and all this shit." i'm like nah 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 we're good we're good we're good you know and I just calm down you know what i'm saying hmm. but nobody wanted to do it and then finally once they realized you know they talked to the dons and the doctor said look he's going to come back he's going to be 100 percent especially the way he's built and he's still young and that's when they said, all right, we're going to run with it. And then that's when Shane started cutting them great promos. like, I want to race you in a pool. And you know what I mean? It was a uh, genius. You know what I mean? The only thing I was pissed about is I didn't get to wrestle him in the pay-per-view because I was ready to go. And I was 100% ready to do that match. But they were already setting up with Anthony and they wanted me to do they wanted me to go another direction which was the I quit match and I just wanted to do it the other way and it just didn't work out that way. But it still turned out good.
1: All right, Mike. I'll be
0: quiet for a while. What you got? Oh that's okay. Uh, you were you were. On, I led into that one. no problem. Hmm. Um you also worked as a as a trainer and uh, whatnot. what not You've trained some other professional wrestlers. Uh, Tell me about some of the people you worked with, uh, training and whatnot.
2: Oh yeah, Uh, I opened up a couple schools me and Anthony called the Animal House, and most of our students. I'm not going to lie, man. Right the combat zone, Uh, wife beater. He trained them. Devin Moore trained them. The Backseat Boys, Trent Acid if he was alive today, would be a superstar. Yeah. And Johnny Cashmere, as the Backseat Boys, trained him. Uh, C.J. O'Doyle trained them. Amy Social trained her. Uh, Velvet Sky trained her. So I, I mean, there's probably more out there, but I can't remember. But most of my guys went to Japan and did the hardcore shit and did the combat stuff.
1: No, Clint Astrid was one of my favorites I ever saw on the indies, and I, <clears throat> I mean, I think you're you're so right. The dude was a superstar, and
2: I had him at yeah, I had him at shame. 14 years old. I had him at 14 years old. Wow, I, him and Billy Real, I started training them. They were a tag team first. Cashmere yep. we came in later. They were already trained. I had a, I had to train Cashmere to catch up. Okay, and people may think, Oh, he's a you know, he's this, he's that. I'm gonna tell you right now, Kashmir's a tough motherfucker, dude. He threw up eight times the first or first night of school, he threw up eight times and did not quit. Okay. So and I've had many I had girls that do thirty push ups and guys can't. You know, when I in my school I do the circle of pain, it's called which the monster factory does now. I don't know if they what they call it that. But everybody circles up in a circle, and everybody they do forty five minutes of exercises, calisthenics to get your your heart ready. It's five hundred free squats, push ups, you know, all that kind of stuff before you even get in the ring. You know, Amy Lee's another girl I helped out. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's, I can't. There's a lot of people. Because, I mean, I would have 40 guys at my school, 40 uh, people, including girls, on the days I'd have my school open at the arena.
0: You were uh now you were obviously working ECW, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, when talent was constantly being purged, jumping to WCW, jumping to WWE. Was there a director of that in the back? Was someone like facilitating that, helping people move? Um were you guys approached about moving?
2: Uh yeah, everybody was pretty much approached. You know, once we started doing pay per views and we started getting over, I mean, Honestly, me and Anthony were probably the last two to leave because we stuck it out for a while and we didn't leave, you know. And then you got Dean, Dean
0: Eddie,
2: uh, Chris, and uh, I think Jericho. Mm -hmm. They had a four. They had a deal. They made a deal with WCW. Four guys. So they were like, if you're going to hire one of us, you got to hire all of us. So that's how they got that those guys. They grabbed them all at once. I was supposed to go I was going to go with Raven. And I was we were gonna be in Raven's flock. Mm-hmm. But at that time I had to get I had I gotta get I had to give knee surgery. So I missed my spot. Actually, Perry got that spot that I would have got. It's just no big deal. No shit happens. But they approached us later, and they were giving us a great spot. They were going to put us over on the signers, give us the belt on the December pay-per-view, Christmas pay-per-view, and they were going to push us like motherfuckers. And they were going to sign us to a three-year deal. We were like, "Yes, sir. We'll take that." And we gave Paul, you know, his two-week notice, which he wasn't happy about, but. I'm like, I said, at least we, you know, we were here the longest pretty much, man. I mean, we stuck it out, you know. So, but, you know, we have to go. I mean, we just couldn't, it was time to move on.
0: What happened that you didn't go to WCW? Uh, Vince McMahon bought it
2: the week before I signed my contract. Okay. Yeah, when he bought ECW, he bought WCW. I was getting, I was, that week, I was going to be flying in to Atlanta to sign a contract with Bischoff because Bischoff called us. It was Bischoff, Diamond Dallas Page, Kevin Sullivan, Raven. Uh, I think one other guy was on the phone. I'm not sure. I don't remember and asked if he want the deal, and we were like, yeah. And we met him at the uh, – that's when they flew in. It was actually Rick Rude. They flew in to uh, Philly to work at the, uh, the stadium in Philly, and then uh, we went there, met him there, and then we talked business at the hotel. And, you know, the dishroff's like, all right, call me Monday, and uh, I'll give you your plane ticket information, and, you know, we'll go then. So I called him Monday. He's like, you're not going to fucking believe it. And I'm like, what? And that's why he broke the news to me. And I said, well, can you still sign it? He's like, no, it's Vince McMahon said straight up, do not sign any more talent. That's it. So if I would have got in two weeks prior, I'd be in.
0: I would have been in anyway. What do you think could have saved ECW? What could have saved it? What killed it? What went wrong? What do you think the director could have saved it?
2: I think it got too. Uh, it was starting to get too. It, it was losing that edge. You know what I'm saying? Like that hardcore edge, kind of. I mean, toward the end, it was getting more comical instead of more violent.
1: You know what I mean? That's my opinion. Okay. Jeremy? Gary, what were some of your favorite, I mean, obviously the arena, you know, that's going to be the standout. But, I mean, other than that, what were some of your standout towns in ECW to work in, you know, the fans or whatever that you remember the most? Buffalo, New York,
2: man, they were crazy. Okay. They were nuts. and They had a beautiful place, and we would sell that out. Pittsburgh was awesome, too. They were very, very into it. Florida, it's it's weird, brother. I mean, if you're not... I mean, I don't know if you ever went to... I don't know if you guys are old enough that ever went to the arena. Oh, yeah. It's just something, it's just something that you're not going to ever forget.
0: So, no. I've been in the arena probably 25 times. I've been uh, to 60-some ECW shows. I'm, I'm 46, so... Okay, then you know that. Yep.
1: Yeah, and I'm 41. Mike and I joke sometimes that we're probably... We probably have the most combined, uh, our ages combined, or, you know, we must have the most of any uh, podcast now. Because a lot of these kids, these podcasts, you know, they're not, they know ECW and all that. I mean, you guys are on the network and all that shit, but, man, I don't know. They, you know, they didn't have the experience, man, being there. Oh, it's insane. I'll give you an example,
2: guys. I've been in every locker room you could think of. Yeah. Okay. And I was even in WWF locker room back in the 80s. Yep. Okay? When Hulk Hogan was there. Mm. Now, the only one that compares the ECW locker room as far as craziness was that year. When that in the 80s, the late 80s is the WWF locker room it was insane. Mm insane okay compared to now it's night and day dude. it's like people are bringing babies backstage now are you kidding me <laughs> you think it, back in the 80s a baby it, uh, no way okay <laughs> not only that girls i mean they had some women wrestlers but come on you got like 25 girls plus working now i mean it's like it's like a it's like a It's like a Tinder, man. It's like joining WWF, you get to work, and you get a piece of ass at the same time.
1: (laughs) You know? Yeah, man, that seems like something that I just don't hear about anymore is what they call rats, you know, what you guys used to call. I'm not meaning you necessarily, but just the boys used to call rats. And I've heard so many stories, you know, New Jack and all the these stories about girls that would just pass around at the... Holiday in there, attacker and all that. And I mean, that seems like it's, you know, it's, uh, not much anymore. What do you think about that, Gary? Is that, is that, am I right? I mean, again, I'm just a fan, so I really don't know. They, these boys today have no idea what they're
2: going <laughs> Okay. We got kicked out of places like the travel lot, the holiday. Yeah. Yeah. So many girls would be there and fans would be there. I mean, you couldn't even get in the elevator, man. It was ridiculous. You know what I mean? I'm not kidding you. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and, and you got to remember, we were still working until four or five o'clock in the morning cutting promos. Yeah, that's how we that's how we did it. We were like, you know, I'm not running home right away. You know, like if we were in Philadelphia, I'm not gonna lie. Me and Anthony, we had our promos down. The people one take and we're out. And Paul knew that. So on good days, he'll be like, all right, you guys can go first because I know you're gonna be a little quick and you're out of here. But sometimes, I mean, I remember one night I was at the travel last to four o'clock in the morning, man, Mm -hmm. waiting to do a promo. In the meantime, I'm going up and downstairs, going to the bar, drinking, having parties. <laughs> is a time yet, it was a, we'll come down and get, let you know. You see what I'm yeah. saying? So you got to realize we were in our character the whole fucking night, man. You know, even at the bar, we were, you know, we were there partying, and then we knew we had to go upstairs and cut promos. But sometimes he would let us go early so then we can go out to nightclubs and stuff like that.
1: That's awesome, Gary. Gary, what was that travel lodge called? The uh, Sphere of Sin or the, you know, the the one, the circular one, you guys say that? Yeah, that was uh, Econo Lodge or Travel Lodge or something oh, like that? Oh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and it was the Sphere of Sin or I don't remember what they used to call oh, it. Oh, I don't know what they call it. Yeah,
2: I, yeah. Just, yeah, I just seen, uh, actually, I saw Blue Meanie and a couple of friends actually staining front of it here in No oh. Evil speak no evil, see no evil. <laughs> I mean, I, I, honestly, I, I'll give you a quick story. It's funny, too. A guy stole my car out of that fucking parking lot. Damn. And I found out who it was, and I got it back. <laughs> it's a crazy
0: little Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, you, we're talking about locker room, and, you know, talking about how this is the wildest locker room. Who do you think was the wildest, craziest, Partying, girls, wrestler in ECW. Who was the craziest of them all? Oh,
2: man. You jacks up there, man. <laughs> Jack would always grab me. Come on, gag, Come to my room, man. Come to my room. You got to <laughs> hang out in my room, brother. And I go in his room, and there's like nine people in there. Ten people. It's like another
0: party.
2: It's like It was crazy, man. Uh, yeah, I think Jack was pretty much... He was Needest Partier, man. He he he, he he'd bury people, there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. And speaking of Jack, were you were you there that night in Revere when he cut the, when he cut Mass Transit? Were you in the were you on that show?
2: I was on the show but I was there and Okay. The guy made everybody think he was a worker and the guy never worked in his life.
1: Yeah, it was, be- it was
2: because his dad, he was nagger and you know, he he never even gigged himself. You know what I mean? So if you're crazy enough to give Jack a blade,
1: then,
2: <laughs> you know what I mean. It- what comes around goes around, and I don't think Jack intentionally tried to hurt him. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But but it-, it just it they blew that so out of proportion, brother. Well, really. It was more, it, it was 100% his fault, not Jack's fault, okay? He he went in there, you know, betrayed himself as the uh, mayor's son, and he's got all this pool, and, you know, you have to do what I say. I'm a, I'm a worker, and, you know, we were just trying to, you know, make the guy happy. We were trying to do a good thing and just get him over in his neighborhood, put it that way. And mm-hmm. it turned out where he was a fucking liar. And Jack fucked them up, and that's all it came down to. Hmm. They should have arrested him,
1: not Jack. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I had another question that I've thought through the years. I mean, towards the end there of you and Anthony in these in ECW. They were doing kind of that. I think it was around November to remember '97 time. They were doing the uh, Sabu and the RVD, WWF angle. You know, we're here from WWF and all. And for a while, you guys were part of that, weren't you? Uh, no, because I think we were giving them more we were given them our
2: notice. I think then, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. I'm not sure because. Uh, we, we normally we would have been. But okay. I think because we were leaving, they just decided they'll use the Dudleys. I think did
1: they use the Dudleys? Maybe. I just I I could have. I thought I. I'm pretty sure I remember a show or something at least with Anthony. Maybe it might not have been you, but with the uh, with the WWF stuff on, and Lance and I forget his last name now. Oh but... saying yes, no, it was just incredible. in
2: Lance Storm. That's the yeah. Tag team they used. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the tag team they used. And I mean, it would have been us. I mean, Vince wanted to hire us in 1989, brother. Wow. <laughs> said yeah. no. I said we said yeah. no because New, New Japan hired us. You know, I had a choice, man. Back then, I could have went to New Japan. Before, I mean, the only person I think I was there before before me was Chris Jericho, and then you're talking about the old timers. You know what I'm saying? And Menoa. Yeah. But uh. We got there early with them guys. I mean, I mean, who gets to work the Dynamite Kid? Who gets to work, you know, these superstars from Japan? That guys today fucking wish they had the chance to get in the, the ring with with uh, Luda and them guys. And oh yeah, so fucking. I mean, Jeff said, "Don't fuck around, dude." I mean, my last time there, I wrestled for no. I wrestled a ten-year Marine champion. Okay. 10 years, man, in Marine chance.
1: Wow. Was there any, I mean, going just going back to the WWF thing? I mean, I've heard a few guys say Danny Doring, just a few people say that they started to get a sense that Vince and Paul were working together you know and that was i don't know when that was 97 ish i guess and you know shane said one time he heard him call on the phone they could hear vince's voice and he what the fuck paul why are you talking to him Were you did you have any feelings one way or another on that i mean did you kind of sense that something was up or fishy oh yeah we eventually did yeah yeah
2: once 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 I heard guys complaining about checks bouncing and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. that's when something wasn't right. Like, you know what I'm saying? And then, honestly, I think Taz was the first one to go to Connecticut and actually go to Stanford and talk to Vince personally and say, look, I'll jump ship if you want me to. What are you going to pay me? And this is after i build him up into a fucking monster. Yeah. So, you know, and uh, obviously he took the deal. But I think Paul was, yeah, they were working together. Yeah. I mean, I have sources that are working for Vince right now that told me straight up, yeah. You
1: mm-hmm. know. So, and
2: they're reliable sources, so. Only a brother love okay, my- to be honest.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> brother love, Yeah. <laughs>
0: Awesome. Um, how did you get hooked up with the tour of Noah? Uh,
2: somebody got injured and it was like a last minute thing. Cause I actually was, you know, I was laying low for a while after my partner passed and, you know, I was chilling and, uh, two cold Scorpio called me up and, uh, was enough. I wanted to come with him and Vader. And I said, yeah, no problem.
0: Uh, I went to Noah. How was Noah versus New Japan? It was a different office. How was things there?
2: I I I didn't like Noah. I liked New Japan was so much better. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't Noah was different. It was uh, when I was there, the uh, Sal was running. He was like the Booker, the boss.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, I I had no problem with him. He was great. You know, God bless. But it just seemed like a lot of older Japanese guys did not want to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like they just didn't want to go, you know? Mm-hmm. And and you know when it's time to go. You know what I'm saying? Or stay in the office. Sure. You know? Yes. But I'm, I'm not going to – I mean, don't get me wrong. They had great talent over there. I mean, really good workers. I mean, we've been – it was, it was rough, man. It was a
0: rough three weeks. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. For sure. Now, a lot of promotions have uh, kind of tried to run that ECW, the kind of style. I know you've been involved with some with, uh, you know, I would say uh, 3PW, mm-hmm. promotions like, uh, you know, Throw a Thing Unplugged, the uh, yes, like Extreme Rising, you know, the Hardcore Homecoming. Um you no, know, no one's really been super successful at it, and I don't think anybody will. Do you think it's just, you know, it's, it you just can't be ECW again?
2: It's like everybody's doing what we already did now. So what's ECW going to have to do? Pull a gun out in the ring? <laughs> but I think everything's been done now, right?
0: A lot, for sure.
2: And I mean, so what? What is? What is? I mean, what could another ECW do that's going to draw you in that you haven't already saw? You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, I like the idea that uh, Cody Rhodes and them are doing that AEW. I think that's going to be great for the business and for the boys. It just gives more people places to work. You know, I think it's great. I mean, WWF used to work with New Japan. WCW used to work with New Japan. Mm-hmm. See now you got Ring of Honor, who I think it's it, it's pretty close to an ECW, is now working with you know New Japan. You see sure. what I'm saying? So if you look at it like that, you know in Combat Zone they're just fucking totally insane.
0: They used to be. They're kind of <laughs> changing now. Things is... I think GCW is kind of taking the mantle there. Uh, JCW, you said? GCW, Game Changer.
2: Uh, oh, yeah, 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 if, yeah. They just did a little bit of... I don't know if you guys saw any of those matches during that uh, WrestleMania. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of them I didn't really dig. Yeah. I mean, would they have an invisible man versus an invisible man? Yeah. Oh,
1: shit.
2: Okay. I remember remember kicking out a student for doing that once out of my school. Cool. Pretending to wrestle an invisible man. I kicked them right out. Uh, Good. I see two guys taking their trunks down, hitting their ass together.
1: Dude, no, I don't think so, brother. Uh, you know what' I'm saying uh that ain't go no forever, you, you know what I mean Mike and I go go nuts on that shit all the time yeah and that that, well. that brings up a question just you know uh and you already kind of answered that guess i was I was wondering you know what what your thoughts are and all that God got bullshit because I mean you come from the you come from a wrestling professional wrestling background. What would have happened, man, in the fucking back in the day or ECW locker room, whatever, if somebody wanted to do a dick spot or grab my cock? Okay, well, if if fucking, what's his name, Joey Ryan?
2: Yeah. Okay, if he says, all right, Garrett, we're going to do a spot, I need you to grab my dick. I'm going to grab his dick and I'm going to make one ball, two balls in the one is what I would do, okay? Literally rip his fucking dick off and feed it to him. Ain't no, if I touch it, you're gonna fucking cry, and that's all yep. there is to it. I ain't doing that bullshit. And if I do it, you're gonna fucking hurt, and that ain't no joke. That ain't wrestling to me, man. That's that's fucking stupidity. I'm sorry, I, I just can't. Yep. I I can't grasp that. I'm sorry. It yeah. does. It's you guys talk about breaking K Fabe.
1: Yeah. that
2: right there is breaking K Fabe in a fucking ring, man. Okay. okay. That's what I think. Yes. I would love to. I would love to work a show and he and they tell me to work him because you're not he, he he's gonna have the highest voice you ever heard in your life when <laughs> he's done with me.
0: Okay? Yeah, it's like fetish porn, it's not wrestling.
2: I'm not yeah. dude. Exactly. This ain't a fetish fucking porn, it's a fucking pro wrestler. That's fucking yeah. bullshit. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. it was funny when Rocky used to put his ass in your face, but it was it a was, it was fucking it was a good gimmick. His ass was so fucking big, of course it's gonna smother you. I mean, come on. You know what I mean? But just grabbing the dick thing, and then the other guy grabbing another guy, another guy, and then they do a spot. That just that right there, I I think kills our business. I'm sorry. Sure.
0: That and I think the no-selling nowadays, too, where someone will get hit with a couple pile driver from the ceiling and then get right back up.
2: That's another thing. I go to a show and I watch it. They do these fantastic moves, okay? Every one of them is a fucking finish.
1: Yeah.
2: How are they getting up? And, and so they're they're exposing the business right there. You know, the Undertaker, if you ever listen to the Undertaker, he's talking to two young kids at a table, and he's telling them, you know, this flippity floppy thing, what are you going to do? One flip, the next spot, two flips, the third spot, four flips. When's it going to end? You know what I'm saying? When are you going to fucking actually grab the back of your head and sell a fucking suplex instead of getting right up? When are you going to grab the back of your lower back from a body slam? No, you get right up. Guys do that in Japan. They get knocked the fuck out,
0: dude. Yeah. Yeah. The psychology is gone. The uh, and the selling is just uh, it's, it's terrible sometimes.
2: I mean, look, I understand. There's great athletes out there. You could do all these things, but you don't put them all in a five minute match. Sure. You know. I mean, you have an arsenal. That's that. Oh, I'll give you an example: ricochet. The guy's amazing. He's an amazing wrestler. He's an amazing athlete. Okay? I'll give him and he just flip, flop, fly around. Amazing. Take it down about five notches, brother, and slow it down and tell a story. The people are still clapping from the first move you did, and you're on your third move. So you just lost five different spots and pops right there.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it's embarrassing. That's some of them. You know, they wonder, you know, it just it just destroys the business when these guys sell, you, know, you know, just horrible, not a fan. Harry,
1: I, know, I know we've had you on for a while, but I just have, I have one more thing. Rick, I got to get your thoughts on it because I mean, when I think of, when I was a kid, you know growing up i grew up in the 80s and then of course you know even even with ecw you know guys were still into their bodies and they fucking invested so much into being a wrestler like you and anthony look like fucking monsters and i don't know if you've noticed now that's another trend now where people are just roll out of bed and go "Oh, i can be a fucking wrestler and you got all these kids and little guys you know little skinny guys with no muscles at all, and a lot of times they, promoters now get a kick out of putting them over the muscular cats, you know. I, have you noticed that, and, and where did that go? I mean, that sort of their in the bodies. They don't invest in their bodies.
2: Right. I would get up every morning, work, go to the gym, and then go to wrestling school, okay? So I was brought up, you got to remember, when we started, we were working the bull bulls in New Zealand. We were working the, the wild Samoans like almost every weekend, you know, doing indies. You know, we were working old school wrestlers who were super popular back then in the late eighties. So... I wanted to look like Ivan Pusky. I wanted to look like a fucking Hulk Hogan. I wanted to be like Don. I want shoulders like Don Morocco. So when I fucking clothesline you, people believe it. Now I got these fucking guys in here. My forearms are bigger than their biceps or their thighs, and they're they're expecting me or anybody else. to I mean, when I'm back then, I'd be in the ring with Lagger. He'd have to clothesline me three times before I took a bump. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? These kids mm-hmm. today they don't—they're skinny. They're—they're—they're they're, they're lightweights. They—they they, they think they're a heavyweight champion, and they weigh 175 pounds. If that, it's a joke. It's fucking sickening. I can't stand it. I mean. There's some guys that are not skinny, but they're still built. You know what I'm saying? Like there's upcomers that are coming out now. Like you got Brian Pillman Jr. Okay, Mm -hmm. he looks good. You got Davey Boy Smith. He's putting time in his body. You got Nick Carey. Okay, I don't know if you heard of him. He's from his dad, Flying Fred Carey, and his grandpa was Mad Bull Carey, who invented he invented hardcore wrestling. Him and the sheep would sell buildings out everywhere they went, okay? Mm. He's a, he's only 22 years old. He's already got more muscle than I see on some of these guys. These guys don't even go to the fucking gym. I walk in the locker room, and I can tell immediately who's been in the gym and who has, okay? And I, I take it disrespectfully due to the fact that in the, our business, if you want people to believe what you're doing, you got to look the look and talk the talk.
1: That's right. Absolutely. And, yeah.
2: And they're, the, you know, the, the guy's fucking, this tights are baggy. He has no ass. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Or he, he's wearing sneakers and, and he has no calves. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, yeah. dude. Come on, man. Look at back in the 80s and look at ECW early time, man. We were fucking monsters, and we all wrestled monsters. I mean, how can – listen, the tipples are – I'm 5'9". My partner's 5'10". We would probably – with our lifts, we were probably 5'10", five 5'11", five between the two of us. And we're wrestling the bruise brothers that are 6'8", and 6'7", and we mm. still made the people believe what we did to them. You see yep. what I'm saying? That's the difference, you know?
0: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Anybody listening that's up and coming and you guys, you know, you're doing whatever you're doing as far as if it's hardcore, whatever you decide you want to do, go to the damn gym. You know what I'm saying? Go to the gym so it looks good, so you look good, so people believe it. You know? I I, I see kids today, and it's, it's totally different, too, man. I'd walk into a autograph signing back in the day and you know younger guys would approach the older guys veterans and shake their hand i was taught when i got into the locker room to go up to every single person in that locker room and shake their hand and introduce myself and i still do that to this day okay there's kids out there that don't even say hello they're in another world, man. They think they're a superstar because they're working on an independent show. Well, kid, you better wake up because all you are is a backyard wrestler. Okay? You're not on TV. You've never been on TV. And you might, like I said, never. <laughs> I remember hollering at Cesaro once, man. He was—he was—he got trained by Chakara. And they had a ring in the ECW arena. He had long hair. I didn't even know it was him until... Late recently, somebody told me he had hair back then. I didn't realize it was him. He was taking a back bump over the rope without hooking the rope. I went up to him because their school was getting done and mine was starting, and I said they have a little bit different style. But I said, Yo, bro, man, you don't hook that rope, you're going to break your skull on the concrete. You know, you're going to mm-hmm. die. You know, and I remember seeing him and a couple other guys, and they listened. And look where they are now. If they didn't, they they probably wouldn't be where they are now. You know what I mean? Because of the fact that they would have got hurt.
0: Absolutely. So, I guess in closing, do you have any appearances coming up? Uh, Where can we find you on social media? Do you have merchandise? Yeah, you can check
2: out. Yeah, I got uh, the original ECW. Pitbull, you can check that out. Uh, it's a new page. It's something that the ECW fans uh, made for me. And then you got Gary Wolf, just Gary Wolf. Uh, that's my fan. That's my Facebook page. Uh, contact me through that. I've been working in Detroit a lot. I just got a shitload of dates.
1: Uh, you'll be seeing me around, man. <laughs> you'll be seeing me around. Gary, I speak for Mike. And I know I do because we're both Fucking ECW nuts, man. But you know, thank you so much. Thank you for your time tonight, and thank you for the memories, man. Because you you were part of memories that I'll never ever lose, and I thank you yeah. for that. Listen, I appreciate it. And just so you know, I'm in my, I'm in
2: my early 50s right now. I'm 52 years old, okay. And I'm going to the gym five days a week still. Mm. What's their mm. excuse?
1: Yeah, good call.
2: Okay. What's your excuse? Think of bad boys. And hey, listen, guys, I appreciate being on your show. I love it. I love you guys. I love your site. Keep rocking, man.
0: Thank you very much.